How y'all doing? Y'all doing good? I was weak. Y'all doing good? All right, all right, all right. Man, I, I got to tell you guys, like, the, the worship experience in here this evening has been absolutely ridiculous. I, I really feel like I could just, like, call an altar call and just let the Holy Spirit do the work. But I did study, so I'm going to preach. So, so we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and transition to that. But, but I'm so glad that you guys are here. My name, is, my name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, if this is your first time here. And, and I'm always honored when I step on the stage. And I always make sure I extend a thank you to my brother, uh, Pastor Clay. Man, he's truly one of my best friends. I'm, I certainly do honor and appreciate him. So celebration. <laughs> Sub 30, just put our hands together for Pastor Clay for just the way that he leads this incredible, incredible ministry. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the word that God placed on my heart because I realize and I, I truly do feel that, that it's a word. It's one of, those one, one of those one messages that you feel like it applies to everyone. And, and when I think about where we are, like I, I think about where we're at in the context of the calendar, it's, it's one of those things where I just begin to think about the seasons. I, I really do. I begin to think about the season that we're in and I think about just what, what all this time has to, what it means for life. I realize that for some people, when a holiday season begins to emerge, for some people, it's a point of pain. Because typically around this time of year, this is when you begin to think about families. This is, begin, this is when you begin to think about the people that you love. And for some people who don't have a good family, or for some people who have experienced loss at this time of year, a lot of times it's very, it's very hurtful. But the thing I love about seasons more than anything is I, I love that it creates parameters for behavior. Seasons create parameters for behavior. Uh, I, I look at this season right now, we're in October. And I get it. Um, this, this, this month, a couple of weeks, we're gonna have, we're gonna have Halloween. Now look, I'm not here to debate with anybody on whether or not Christians should celebrate Halloween or not. As for me and my family, we're gonna get some free candy. But, but, I, but you know, but, but it's, it's up to you, it's up to you. It really is, it's up to you. But, but what I know is that it creates parameters for behavior because this is what I know. You have a very short window that you can show up in my house dressed like a Power Ranger and it's okay. You have a very short window, there's a season for that. You could do it on October 31st. If you do it in May, it's gonna be a problem, it looks insane. There's a very short window by which you can dress up like someone else and it's acceptable. Or, or even when we think about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. It's the most traveled holiday of the year. It's when you get a chance to go and hang out with your family and debate and argue about sports and, and politics, but also you have an opportunity to eat a whole bunch of things that's not healthy for you. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. Let the church say amen. But, here, but, here's, but here's the reality though. The reality is this, we can't eat like that every day. It's completely unhealthy, so there's parameters for behavior. And now we got the juggernaut of them all. I'm talking about Christmas Day. Anybody in here love Christmas? I mean, we're Christians. Anybody in here love, love Christmas? When, when I think about Christmas, I mean, it's that, it's that holiday that you absolutely love, but there's, there's parameters for the behavior. And in other words, there's a time. There's actually a time in a season where it's okay for a, a man to dress up in a Santa suit. There's, it's a time in a season where it's okay for little kids to sit on a stranger's lap. There's a time and season for that. There's a time and season where you put up your lights and run up your electric bill. There's a time and season for that. There's a time and season where you, where you put a tree inside of your home and, and you put presents under it. But if you're one of those people that, you know those people that jump on to Christmas a little too early and let go a little too late? You know any of those people that, that have the Christmas lights up like sometime around like now and they don't let them go until like sometimes we get into like March? Like there's a time and season for everything. And when I think about that, it's, it could be very awkward. It could be very uncomfortable to hold on to a season too long. It could get very weird and very awkward if we're holding on to something that we actually should have let go of because in a new season, there's new opportunities. But a lot of times we're focusing on the previous season and not looking at what God wants to do in the current season. I, I, think about, 
the wisest man to ever walk the face of the planet next to Jesus, of course, and it's a man named Solomon. And Solomon is a man, he was the third king of Israel. He was a man who was known for his incredible brilliance and wisdom. This is a man that, that was able to, to help families out. This is a man who was able to talk about wealth. This is a man who also accumulated a lot of wives and concubines. We're not going to talk about that. But it's a man who, who accumulated a lot of things. He actually wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. He contributed to a lot of the Psalms. But then he also wrote this book called the book of Ecclesiastes. And this is a book that was kind of like a memoir, so to speak. It was a book that he wrote as a, to be like a journal. He lived an entire life of being a king. He lived his entire life with, with having so much success. And so he wrote this as a memoir to say, I'm gonna pass this on to the generations with all the things that I've learned, with all the things that I amassed. And it's powerful what he says about this subject. When we look at Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, verses one through eight, this is what it says. It says, for everything that happens in life, there is a season a right time for everything under the sun, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to collect the harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to pile them up, a time for warm embrace, but there's also a time for keeping your distance. Somebody need to hear that. A time to search, but then there's also a time to just give up as lost. There's a time to keep, but there's a time to throw out. A time to tear apart, but there's a time to bind together. A time to be quiet. Y'all didn't know that. I'm gonna quote the scripture later on. There's a time when you can be quiet, but there's also a time when you can speak up. There's a time to love, there's a time to hate, there's a time to war, and there's a time to make peace. He's saying that there's a time and season for everything under the sun. And what I truly believe is, I believe that many cases with us, we get so fixated on our current season that we place our identity in the season instead of the God who sustains us during them. We, we find ourselves in a place where I love this season so much that I don't wanna move on and we miss out what God wants to do in our new season. What I wanna do is I wanna talk to you just for the next couple of minutes about how to identify the season that you're in and recognize what God wants to do for you in that season. And I've entitled this message, Tis the Season. Tis the season, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to speak to your people. God, over the next few moments, I pray for open eyes that we can see you. I pray for open ears that we can hear you, and I pray for open hearts that we can receive what it is that you wanna to speak to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen and amen. I know many of you that have possibly been coming here to Celebration for any period of time and, and, and have seen me here. You're probably looking at me and thinking right now, like, man, Pastor Keith, since the last time I saw you, You've lost some weight. Thank you, I have. I've, I've, been, I've been working out, thank you for, for noticing. And, and, and so recently, I, I hit a milestone. I hit a, I hit a new milestone in my life. I, I just turned 40 a couple weeks ago. The big, the big 4-0, like I'm officially the guy that like they have like that section of the cards where they talk about you over the hill. Like I'm in that, I'm in that category now. So I recently just hit 40 and so as I was closing in on 40, I recognized that it was, a, it was a time for a transition. So I had to reevaluate some things in my life. One of the things I had to reevaluate was my diet because for me, I had always been able to eat whatever I wanted to eat and I never had any issue with it. But somehow in my mid-30s, my metabolism has forsaken me. 
It, it truly has. It, it stopped cooperating with me, and I was eating things as if it was, and I was recognizing as I would look at like old messages earlier. I'm like, man, I look good in that message. Then I look at a message three weeks later, and I look a lot heavier. Like, good Lord, like it's the most intimidating thing ever to watch yourself on screen and compare the weight gain. So I said, okay, I need, this is what I need to do. I need to start getting a little bit more active, so I'm going to start working out. This is something that's easy for me. I'm used to going out and running. It's not a thing. So a couple weeks ago, I decided to get back out into my running gig to kind of burn the calories and all that good stuff. So I start my rhythm. I start my routine. I don't even stretch because why you need to stretch? I'm good. So I run outside the house. I got my, I got my headphones on and, and I, make a, I make a run for it. So I'm running and I think I'm doing well. In fact, I know I'm doing well. I'm breathing well. Everything's looking good. I got Andy Mineo's new CD in my, in my ear. I'm just nodding my head. I'm going for a Desperado. I'm killing it. And so I'm doing really well. And then in my periphery, I, I kind of see this guy kind of creeping up on me a little bit. And so it's, it's all right. You know, you have the, like, you know, the, the, the sidewalk courtesy where you see someone creeping up. It's like, all right, you know, he's, he's running up a little bit. But as I, as I glance over and look at him, he looks significantly older than me. He looks, he looks a whole lot older than me. In fact, he looks like he's about 70 years old. So now I immediately feel this sense of comparison, and now it's a battle. So I look over at this old guy as he begins to creep up on me a little bit, and I'm like, oh, what are you trying to show off? So now, now we're in a full sprint. And so I begin to pick up the pace a little bit because there's no way in this world I'm going to let a 70-year-old man pass me. Not today. Uh-uh. I'm not going out like that. Okay. See, the thing is, though, my legs didn't want to cooperate with what my mind wanted to do. So as I'm running as hard as I can at this point, this old 70-year-old man just came running by, looked at me, kind of smirked, kind of did this little thing, and kept on going. I mean, he just passed me like I was standing still. I lost hope. I stopped running. I was like, I just stopped running altogether. I'm almost, I'm almost a thousand percent sure that he was an angel because no 70-year-old man could run like that. He was in his glorified body. He had to be a divine messenger from God. Now, here's the thing, though. It was, it was cool. It was cool. But, but when I got back home, I, I felt okay, but I felt a little, like, you know, uh, deflated a little bit. But the next day, when I got up, I felt pain in areas of my body that I didn't even know existed. I went to get up, and I, I found myself moving very slow. I found myself being very uncomfortable. I found myself walking very gingerly. I was looking like an old man, and I began to wonder to myself, like, what happened? And, and my brain clicked in and said, it says, Keith, you, you tried to run as if you was a 20-year-old, but you're in a 40-year-old body. You're in a, you're in a different season. What, what occurred to me is there's, it's possible for us to think that we can run around and do the things that we did several years ago, but when you're in a new season, you have to pace yourself a little bit differently. When you're in a new season, you have to begin to evaluate the pace in which you're going in. And so I began to think through, I have to, I have to change the way that I do some things in my life. I have to, I have to stretch now. I have to, I, now I don't really run as much as I kind of do like a, I, I kind of do like this walk. Well, I, it's, a, it's a stroll. I kind of walk now. I don't, I don't run as hard as I used to, but I'm still staying active. I'm still staying fit. And I kind of just pump my arms real hard so it looks good. My heart rate goes up. It's all good. But what I recognize is that I'm in a different season. I'm, I'm 40 years old now. I've been with my wife for, for over 20 years now. We're, I'm, in a, I'm in a different season. Now, now, there was a time in my life where I was fixated on a lot of different things. I remember when my wife and I first started dating, back when we knew each other in high school, I would think about my wardrobe, but it would be weird if I'm still thinking about my clothing when I'm a 40-year-old man. I used to talk about Jordans, but now I'm talking about this mortgage. If I was, it's, it's, I'm in a new season. I've kind, of, I've kind of grown up a little bit. I've recognized that I can't talk about the same things because I'm in a new season. One of the biggest mistakes that I really believe that, that we make is that we look at our relationships. I'm going to get on the soapbox for a minute. We look at our relationships. We look at our marriages. 
And we begin to compare where our marriage is now to where our relationship was when we first started dating. And what happens is we don't take into that comparison the transition or the shift of seasons. I sit with many people and they're telling me our relationship isn't what it used to be, Pastor Keith. My wife and I, it's not what it used to be. I'm like, okay, well tell me a little bit about what's going on. Well, when we first started dating, we were in high school and things were so great. But now she's the mother of my children and, 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 and things just aren't the way they used to be. You're in a different season. You can't bring a high school mentality into a grown-up relationship. You're, you're in a different season. I would hope that you wouldn't want your wife to act like she did when she was 17 years old, but somehow we get fixated on that and sometimes we get a wandering eye because of it. But if you can just recognize the season that you're in and access what God has for you in this season, I promise you that you will be blessed. Here's, here's what I've learned about seasons. Here's what I've learned about the things about seasons, is I believe that seasons serve a very significant purpose. And what I believe that seasons do is they give us permission. I think that seasons give us permission. One of the things that I believe that, that seasons give us permission to do is seasons give us permission to let go. They give us permission to let go. You know, I, I think about what Paul was saying to the church of Corinth in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. He said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I acted as a child. I even reasoned like a child. But now that I've become a man, I put away childish things. What he was saying is, there was a season when I was a child and it was acceptable for me to behave this way. But now that I've gone into a new season, there's certain things that I have to let go of. Here, here's what I've learned about seasons. Here's what I've learned about life. Time ages you, but seasons mature you. Time ages you, but it's only seasons that mature you. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? And when you're talking with them, you're saying to yourself, man, this person, they sound like they're really an old soul. How old are you? Man, I'm 19. You're 19 years old and you have so much wisdom and so much perspective. Time didn't give them that perspective. Time didn't give them that wisdom. You know what it was? They probably had some points of pain. They probably had some things that happened in their lives that caused them to mature because they had access to some things that God had for them. I had a good friend of mine. He lost his father at a very young age. And because of that, he had to step into a new season of his life. He had to step into what it meant to be responsible. He had to step into learning how to take care of his family. Now when you talk to him, he has the wisdom of a 50-year-old. Why? Because he went through a season where it helped him to mature. But it happens on the reverse side. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you talk with them a little bit and you're like, man, like this person is really immature. How old are you? They're 42. How, how are you 42 years old and you don't know some of these basic things? It's because they haven't had an opportunity to mature. Don't ever assume that just because someone has an age that attached to it is maturity because only seasons will mature you. You see, seasons give you permission to let go. This is what I love what Paul was saying here in this text. He was saying that when I was a child, I thought I was a child, but I had to let some things go. You know what is the perfect symbol of a person who is mature? Maturity is found in what you're able to let go, not what you accumulate. Maturity is found in what you're able to let go of, not accumulate. Each year as I get a little bit older, I ask myself, God, what do you want me to let go of? Not what do you want me to add? What are some things I need to shift out of my life? I even look in my closet and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what do I need to let go of? That sounds really weird, but I begin to look through it because now there's certain things that a 40-year-old man should not be wearing anymore. My wife is like, praise the Lord. There's certain shirts that my wife is like, honey, you need to let that go. I'm like, that shirt looks awesome on me. She's like, you're 40. I'm like, stop that. Don't keep trying to kill my vibe. But anyway, so, but there's, but there's seasons where you have to learn that you need to just let it go. I think what happens to a lot of us 
is that we're not recognizing that we're in a season where we need to let some things go, that we're in a season that we need to let some people go, that we need to let some relationships go, that we need to move on. It's it's some seasons in our lives where we just need to learn to let go. I think another thing that seasons give us permission to do is seasons give us permission to change. They give us, they give us permission to change. What I, what I find to be fascinating, and, and, and maybe it's just me, but I remember growing up that whenever someone began to, to get older or when someone got a new job or, or when someone is gonna go to college, there was always this weight of, hey man, make sure you don't change. The world is in a constant state of change, so why would I stand still? But there's always this expectation, make sure you don't change. Make sure you don't change, man. Stay exactly the same. Stay exactly the way that I know you. Stay exactly limited. Stay exactly with that lid on your life. Don't change. But when you begin to acknowledge the seasons that God brings you into, you have permission to change. I think about Lazarus, and and, and I've shared this with you before, but I think about Lazarus in, in John the 11th chapter. And when he was dead, there's behavior that's attached to being dead. In fact, there's, there's parameters around death. So he was dead, he was wrapped in grave clothes, and he was buried because he was in the season of death. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus resurrected him and told Lazarus to come out of the tomb, the first thing that Jesus says to him is, remove the grave clothes. Yeah. It's time for you to change what you're wearing. You're wearing the clothes of bondage. There was a season when you were dead. There was a season when you were restricted. There was a season, but now you're in the seasons of life, so why are you wearing the garments of death? I I, I wondered to myself, if many of us who are saying that I've been walking with God for some time now, but I don't feel as if I have the mobility that I see everybody else walking in, it could quite possibly be is that you're still mummified by wearing the bondage of the past and not walking in the freedom that God has called you to walk in. It's time for you to make some changes in your life. Seasons give you permission to change. You have God's permission to change. I believe another thing that seasons do is seasons give you permission to be healed. I I need you guys to, to look at me. I believe that this is for somebody in here. You have permission to be healed. Let me explain that. This is what I believe when I was praying earlier today. I believe that there's some of us in here, and, and, and I think that we all can fall into this category where maybe we've had some setbacks. Maybe we've made some mistakes. Maybe we had some struggles, some burdens, some things that we've done in our life. And now we carry the weight and baggage of condemnation and guilt. And what ends up happening is we feel that if I begin to move forward with my life, it seems as if I'm disregarding the pain of my past. I'm not able to move forward. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John, the fifth chapter, about a man who was born with an affliction for 38 years. And what the Bible says is that when Jesus showed up on the scene and said, hey man, do you want to be made whole? He immediately began to make excuses why he couldn't be made whole. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever come into a a service and you hear about the things that God has for you, but you're reminding yourself of all the mistakes you've made? Man, you don't understand, man. I've cheated on my wife, man. I'm never fit to be married again. Man, you don't understand the mistakes that I made. Keith, I had an abortion. I don't ever want to ask God to ever allow me to have a child. We allow the guilt and the condemnation of our past to keep us from moving forward. But God said to that man in that instance, I didn't ask you all of that. I'm asking you, do you want to be made whole? Get up, it's time for you to walk. You have permission to be healed. You have permission to get up. You're entering into a new season. Stop wearing the past condemnation and guilt. You have permission to be made whole. You don't have to carry that baggage and bondage anymore. You know what I love about the cross? Is the cross is a great address. And here's what I mean by that. The cross is the address where your baggage can be addressed. The cross is the address where your baggage 
can be addressed. It's the place where you can take your baggage and give it to Jesus and know that you can walk away and be made whole. You have permission to be made whole. And, and when I think about the importance of seasons and those three things that we get out of our seasons, what's equally as important is for us to recognize the season that we're in. I believe that there's, there's a man in the Bible. Now we can extract these principles from a lot of different people, but there's a man in the Bible specifically that I feel is a perfect example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. The man that I'm talking about is, is, is John the Baptist. And when we look at the life of John the Baptist, he had the exact same mission that we do. His mission was to prepare the way for the Lord. Prophetically, when you look at the life of John, his mission was to talk about the coming of Jesus and to prepare the world for when Jesus comes. Guess what our mission is? Is to talk about Jesus and prepare the world for when Jesus comes back. We have the exact same mission statement. We have the exact same responsibility. So what you find about John is John has a very incredible life. But John's life, he went through seasons. There's some patterns that I feel that we can extract from that that I think will be helpful for us to look at it through this filter. I think there's five major seasons of life. And what I can assure you is that all of us have been through all of these seasons. All of us are in one of these seasons, and sometimes you're in more than one of these seasons at the same time. Here's the first season of life that I believe that we go through. It's the season of impartation. The season of impartation. Let me explain to you what that means in the context of John's life. See, John the Baptist, his, his parents were a little bit older, and, and they were unable to get pregnant. So they continued to try, but they continued to serve in the house of God. And eventually what happened is an angel appeared before them and said, listen, you're gonna have a child and this is what his mission is gonna be. He's gonna prepare the way for the Lord. He is a blessed child. He is called by God. He's gonna prepare the way for the Messiah. Walk gingerly, protect him. There's certain environments he's not gonna be allowed to go into. There's certain things he's not gonna be allowed to do. And from that moment forward, Elizabeth, John's mother, she had this seed deposited inside of her womb. The Bible tells us that it's in this time. I can imagine while John is in the mother's womb, the mom is super protective. There's certain things she's not drinking. There's certain things that she's not eating. She's giving her son the proper nutrients to prepare him for the path and for the calling that God has on his life. What I believe with all of us is that we go through that season of life where we're sponges, where things are being deposited inside of us and those are the things that activates our faith. See. John didn't have any evidence of what his life was gonna become, but it was deposited into his spirit. Have you ever been in a place where someone has spoken something over your life and you're trying to process it a little bit, but now you begin to seek God on that behalf? I, I remember almost a year and a half ago when I was, I was out on one of my runs, ironically, and when I was coming back from my run, I remember God telling me to, to look over to the side. And when I looked over to the side, I, I saw like all these woods and that's all that I saw there. And so God spoke to me and said, hey man, what do you see? And I said, Lord, I, I, I see woods, I see, I see nothing. He said, no, you see woods, but what I see is your, is your new home. I didn't, I didn't understand it, but it was imparted into my spirit. It was imparted in me, I didn't know what to do with it. You see, what, what faith is, faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. That means that something is imparted inside of you, but you don't see any evidence of it yet. We're all at that season of our lives at times where things are being deposited into us, but we don't see evidence of it just yet. But as time went on a little bit further, I began to notice that those trees are beginning to get knocked down. As I began to, to notice that the land was being cleared, and then I was wondering like, okay, so obviously they're, they're preparing for construction, but I don't know if they're gonna do, I don't know if they're gonna make this a, an office plaza, I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but I began to wonder, man, I wonder if they really are gonna build some homes here. I wonder if I really did hear from God over a year and a half ago. 
Well, well, guess what? They were building homes there. And not only that, but it was the type of home that my wife and I are looking for. And not only that, but we're having our dream home built right now. What I'm telling you is in that exact same area. But a year and a half ago, all there was was wood. Something was imparted in me. And then what happened is when I saw the trees get knocked down, it activated something inside of me where I began to say, okay, God, is this really your word? Is this really your will? I went out to the land and began to pray about it. God, is this really what you're calling me to? And that leads us to our next season. That's the season of confirmation. That's when things that we have heard that have been deposited into us have been confirmed by another source. A lot of times that happens in the church service where you may be struggling with something, praying about something, something's going on in your life, and then you come into a church service and the preacher is speaking about something specifically that you needed to hear. That's what we call the season of confirmation where God's word begins to confirm itself, where you begin to start hearing things that you needed to hear in order to activate your faith. What the Bible tells us about John the Baptist is that while he was yet in his mother's womb, that he found himself in the same room with Jesus. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me say that again. You see, Jesus' mother and John's mother were pregnant at the same time, just six months apart. So Elizabeth, which is John's mother, she found herself in the same room with Mary. And the Bible tells us that when they were in the same room, that the minute that Mary spoke, that inside of Elizabeth's belly, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was yet in the fetal form. What that means is that the Spirit of God told him, you know how I told you back in the impartation season that you're going to be called to pave the way for this child? Guess what? You're in the same room with that child right now. And the Bible said it confirmed in his spirit, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was yet in fetal form. What that means is that even in infancy, God will begin to conform and confirm some things that's going on in your life. What the Bible speaks about is how it was deposited into his spirit and it activated him. I can imagine at that point that as John was being raised up, that his mom began to take him under her wing and say to him, John, you know that you're called, right? Let me show you what the book of Isaiah says about you. Let me tell you that you have such a profound purpose and calling on your life. In other words, what she was saying is, allow me to shape your identity and purpose according to God's word. Allow me to begin to speak life over you according to what this book says that you're going to accomplish. And it's in this season that John finds himself being developed, being cultivated, being told what he is called to do. You know, when we show up at church, we hear messages, and we, we have impartation, and then we have confirmation, and then we find ourselves being raised up by what the Word of God says about us. We begin to have an identity shaped by what the Word of God says about us, letting us know that God loves us, that God is for us, and it begins to shape the way that we see ourselves. But then, interestingly enough, the time fast forward with John. We find that John is now approximately 31 years old when we see him again. And what the Bible says is that he's the voice crying out in the wilderness. He's just out in the wilderness and he's, he's doing what he's called to do. He's preparing the world for the coming Messiah. But, but something interesting happens. While he's doing that, he's a master strong following. While he's doing that, tons of people are coming out to hear him preach. While he's doing that, he has profound influence. But while he's doing that, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus in the distance, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that come to take away the sins of the world. This is so profound that I need to explain this to you for just one minute. See, the rest of the world, the rest of the Jews, the rest of the Israelites, they were waiting for the Messiah to come in the form of a king. But John saw him as a lamb, a lamb that was going to die, a lamb that was going to suffer. John started getting a perspective of things that nobody else had saw because everybody was expecting the Messiah to come in and rule and reign, but John said, no, I, I see a lamb that's gonna take away the sins of the world first. I see, I see redemption right now. The next season that we find ourselves in is the season of revelation. It's when God begins to reveal things to us that everybody else doesn't see. 
The Bible says that John says, behold the Lamb of God that's taken away the sins of the world. In other words, what he was saying is, even in suffering, I see Jesus. Even in my marriage, I see Jesus. Even in my workplace, I see Jesus. In every area of my life, I see Jesus. In other words, John was saying, I see Jesus in the extraordinary things which makes my life extraordinary. When you see Jesus in every environment, that's what we call the season of revelation. That means that when your car breaks down, you still see Jesus. That means when things ain't going good for you, you still see Jesus. It means when God begins to reveal himself to you that you don't look at anything as wasted. It's in this season that you have the God works all things together for the good of those who love him and were called according to his purpose because I see Jesus working in this situation. It's not the most ideal thing, but I see Jesus in the midst of it. John found himself at this place where he had this profound revelation of who Jesus was. And when Jesus comes to him, he baptizes him and Jesus goes off into ministry. But what's interesting about that is we don't hear a whole lot about John after that. We, we, really, we really don't. In fact, at this point, there seems to be a transition of influence. There seems to be a transition of, of power because now that Jesus has been anointed, John's identified him, baptized him. Now the whole focus shifts solely on Jesus. We don't hear much about John. And in fact, what we do hear about John is that John is in prison. This is, this is the next season that we find ourselves in and that's the season of isolation. John finds himself in prison and it's, it's while he's in prison. He begins to hear about all the things that Jesus is doing. While he's in prison, he hears that Jesus has just raised a man from the dead. It's while he's in prison, he hears about the blind getting sight. It's while he's in prison, he hears about all these incredible things that Jesus is doing. And this man who had this profound revelation of who Jesus is, this man who had impartation, this man who had it confirmed in his spirit, saw Jesus, knew who he was, baptized him, set him not to light, made sure that it was all about Jesus, was now sitting in a prison cell. And you know what his response was? He sent his disciples to go find Jesus and say, Lord, are you the one or should I find another? How do you go from being a person who's so in love with God how do you go from being a person who had this profound revelation of who Jesus is to now getting to a place of saying, are you the one or should I find another? Are, are, are you the savior or should I find another? Are, are you the one or should I find another? Do you, do you know why John had that filter? It's because he began to look at Jesus through the filter of his pain instead of looking at his pain through the filter of Jesus. He began to look at where he was and say, clearly, if you were truly God, then I wouldn't be in this situation. It's this season of isolation that we find ourselves in where we begin to question whether or not we've been doing what God has called us to do. We begin to question whether or not we're in the right place. We begin to question God. God, are you the one or should I find another? And what I believe happens to many of us, we look at our lives and we begin to think that when a problem presents itself to us, that it's multiple choice and Jesus is just one of the options. But I, I like to look at my life as more of a fill in the blank because no matter what the blanks are, Jesus is the one who's gonna fill that gap. When you go from a fill in the blank mentality and you begin to recognize that only Jesus can fill the gaps in your life, you take all the other options off your table. Jesus is your only option. Jesus is better than any other option. Jesus is the solution. But John found himself at a broken place where he's saying, Jesus, are you the one or should I find another? In other words, let me make it a little bit love on your level. Lord, is this the marriage or should I find another? 
Lord, is this the relationship or should I find another? You begin to think to yourself, my only option is to find an escape. And Jesus is simply saying, stay put, stay where you are, stay where I planted you at because there's a reason why you're there. Jesus then responds. I, I love this. Jesus responds and he says, you let John know that the blind are given sight, that the lame walk, that the dead are raised, and that the gospel is being preached to the poor. Why, why is that so significant? What Jesus was simply saying is that the blind are given sight. In other words, those who've lost perspective are having vision reignited into them, or what I like to call those that are in that position are in a season of impartation. They're getting impartation. He said, for those who are crippled, those who are mobilized, those who feel as if they can't move, they're being restored with their walking ability. In other words, you may feel limited, but walking is still available to you. If you're dead, he's saying that if you're dead in any situation, that I can raise it to life. In other words, what Jesus was speaking to John, he was saying, everything that I'm doing is still available to you. Don't ever get to a place where you think that you are no longer in need of being a recipient of God's grace. What he was saying is that, John, you're in prison, but you know what? The things that I'm doing are meant for you as well. I am the only option. I am the solution. John found himself at a place where he was completely contained, but Jesus began to speak to him and said, I wanna restore your sight. I wanna restore your vision. Recognize that I am who I say I am. I know that you may feel dead in some situations, but I wanna resurrect it and fix it. I know you may feel crippled in some areas of your life, but I wanna restore your ability to walk. Recognize that I'm doing what I've been called to do and you still have access to it. You may be in a season of your life right now where you feel isolated. You may feel alone. You may be looking at other friends in their lives and may feel as if they're going a little bit further. And what often happens is when we're in a season of isolation, it begins to fuel comparison. We begin to look at where we are and we begin to look at where other people are. Now we begin to question God because, and asking him, where is he? But I wanna encourage you, be faithful where you are and recognize that God is gonna transition into a new season, but you gotta access the graces in the season that you're in right now. John was in a season of isolation. But then he, he goes into what I call his last season. And, and I'm gonna close with this. I wanna invite the worship team to come back out. John's been in prison, and the Bible tells us that as a result of his, his faith, as a result of his preaching, that John ends up dying in prison. He gets decapitated. And I believe that all of us go through a season of decapitation. This is what's not provocative about this walk with God. This is the part that doesn't feel the most comfortable. But the Bible says that while John was isolated, he was decapitated and we all go through those seasons of decapitation. It's that season where we literally lose our heads, or, or what I like to say is where we lose our minds. Like DMX, y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Oh, okay, let me move on, I don't got much time. Okay, when we begin to lose our minds, watch this. John had went from a season of impartation where the word was deposited into his spirit. He, he went through a season of confirmation where the Holy Spirit began to stir some things up inside of him, began to walk in his calling. He went through a season of revelation where God began to reveal that Jesus was even in the suffering of life. He went through a season of isolation where even though John was beginning to compare himself, he was reaffirmed in knowing that grace is available to you even in this condition. But now he was in a season of decapitation where he had to lose his head. But quite honestly, 
we all find ourselves in that place where we need to lose our head so that Christ can be the head. It's, it's in that place that we lose our mind, or what I like to say, lose our mind mentality. You know the mind mentality that says, this gift is mine, this church is mine, this marriage is mine, these kids are mine, this money, it's mine. But if it's mine, it can never be his. So the only way that I can truly accomplish what God has called me to do is I have to go through a season where I change my mind, where I lose my mind, where I have to lose the mind mentality and say, this marriage isn't mine, it's his. These kids aren't mine, they're his. This job isn't mine, it's his. This money's not mine, it's his. You have to get to a place where you recognize that it's not mine, but it's his. And John got to a place where he paid the ultimate price, but ultimately what the Bible says is that Jesus spoke about him and says that there's no greater man built on earth other than John the Baptist. What will Jesus say about you in your seasons of suffering? Even though you may be going through some struggles and setbacks, if you can get to the place where you can lose your mind and allow Christ to be the head, then you can walk in the authority that God has called you to walk in. But it means we have to lose our mind. We have to lose our mind mentality. We have to begin to change some things up. You know, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Anything with two heads is a monster. So how can I be the head of my own life and Christ be the head of my life? At some point, I have to fall back so that I can live my life according to what God's will is for me. It's the season of decapitation where we give up our minds, we give up our thoughts. As Paul tells us in Romans 12, renewing our minds, rewiring the way that we think, getting new patterns and getting to a place where it's no longer mine, but it's his. You know what I've learned about the mind mentality? You will have mind fatalities. You know what landmines are? They're hidden beneath the surface and all it takes is one wrong step and then you explode. But if you lose the mind, it uproots all of that and then Christ will lead you in a path that makes sure that you walk in complete freedom. We have to lose our minds. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just wanna ask a, a quick question. Maybe you're in here today and, and, and you would say, Keith, I'm, I'm in one of those seasons. I'm in a season where I feel like I'm a sponge and God is just depositing so much into me. That's great. Maybe you're in here and you would say that you're, you're in a season where God is beginning to confirm some things in your spirit, that you feel like there was a season that you had faith for something, but now you're starting to see it come into action and that's where the Holy Spirit begins to stir you. Maybe you're at another place of your life where you know that you're getting revelation, where you're seeing Jesus in even the little things. You see Jesus in your suffering. You're experiencing the realness of who God is where you are. But maybe you're also in here and you're in a season of isolation. You're at a place where you feel alone where you feel that the brokenness that you've been experiencing is isolating you and you're wondering, God, is this the place for me or do I have another? God, is this the marriage for me, for me or should I find another? Lord, is this the solution for me or should I find another? Or, or maybe you're at a place where you feel like you're losing your mind, but it's a great season for you to lose your mind so that Christ can be the head of your life. If any of those categories speak to you, I wanna go back to what I said initially, and that is simply this. You have permission to let go of the past. You have permission to be made whole. You have permission to walk in freedom. And what you wanna do is recognize the season that you're in so you can access and walk in what God has for you. 
What I wanna do is I simply wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna call you up to the altar tonight, but if, if you're in here and you just wanna get prayer for the season that you're in, and wanna invite God to meet you where you are so that you can walk in the grace that God has for you in this season, I just want you to signify by raising a hand. Amen. Hands up everywhere. God bless you guys. You can put those hands down. I have a second question. If you're in here tonight and you would say, Keith, I've never surrendered my life to Christ, so I haven't even entered into the season of salvation. I'm away from God, and I don't have all the answers, and maybe you find yourself in that season of isolation where you're saying, is Christ the way or should I find another? There is no other. Jesus is the only way. If you're in here tonight and you would say, Keith, I wanna respond to the gospel, and I will let go of the things that are trying to keep me back, you have permission to change into what God is trying to convince you to walk into, but then you also have permission to be made whole. You can let go of the baggage and the bondage and walk in the freedom of what God has for you. If you're in here tonight and you say, I wanna to respond to the voice of Jesus, and then I'll transition through the seasons if God presents them, I want you to signify by raising the hand on the count of three. One, two, and three. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, amen, amen. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you guys. Let's put our hands together for those who are responding to the message of Christ. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to all stand up and, and we're gonna go into a, a quick song of worship and then Pastor Clay is gonna come up and, and close out the service. But as we, as we prepare to go into this, this song of worship, I, I want you guys to, to think about this. You know, the, the book of Genesis tells us, and in Genesis 1:14, it says that, God created the stars and, and the sun for the sole purpose of marking the seasons that we are in. And, and what I've learned about Earth and, and, and where we live, I've learned that the Earth is tilted on its axis. It's, it's bent, it's, it's a little bit shifted, it's crooked, but it still rotates around the sun. And as it rotates around the sun, that's where we get our days, 24 hours, and that's where we get our seasons, 365 days in the year. This is where it all happens. While we're spinning, we're still around the sun. What I want you to know is no matter what season you're in, make sure you stay connected to the sun. No matter what's going on in your life, make sure you stay connected to the sun. You, you may be at a season where you may feel like you're a little bit further from the sun, but even the wintertime has access to the sun. Even the summertime has access to the sun, the fall, the spring, they all have access to the sun. You know, the thing that I love about the grace of God is that the grace of God is the gravitational pull that keeps us in the orbit of God's favor. The grace of God is the gravitational pull that keeps us in the orbit of God's favor as long as we stay connected to the sun. Right where you are, I want you to lift your hands up. And I wanna pray for you, and we're gonna go into this song of worship, and I want you to, to receive this. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your people. God, I thank you for the seasons that you give us because they're meant to mature us, to develop us, to call us into a season where we can walk in new freedom and access all that you have for us. Father, I pray for every individual in here under the sound of my voice. I recognize that in here there's people that are in seasons of, of pain and suffering. I pray that you reveal to them that you are with them. Father, I know that there are people that are in here that are in seasons of impartation where you're depositing words of life into their spirit. Protect them and keep it safe. Father, I pray for those who are in seasons of confirmation where your spirit is beginning to stir them up. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know where to go with it, but God, they know that your spirit is with them. Father, encourage them. Father, I pray for those who are in revelation, who are seeing you 
you in every element of their life. Encourage them and let them know that you are with them. Father, I pray for those who are in isolation, those who feel broken. Allow them to know that the message of the gospel is still available to them. Father, I pray for those who have losing their minds, God, because they're going to replace it with your thoughts. In the name of Jesus, I speak freedom, I speak healing, I speak breakthrough. By the power of your word, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.